I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Here with Benji for stage three of the Giro d'Italia. I can't believe we're already into stage three. The second uh-huh. road stage from Vasto to Melfi, a long one, 213 k's long with 173 k's of pretty much flat beforehand. You know who's getting in that breakaway, Pro Conti teams. And then a really interesting finish. This was, yeah, this was, I dare say, a Michael Matthews stage of old Benji. Maybe a Magnus Court stage, but then it went back to being a Michael Matthews stage uh, after Mole last year. 6K, 6.5%, a descent which I never saw ever happening, and then of, of about two minutes duration. And then another 3K, 6% before a stepped downhill to a lumpy finish, about 28 Ks, 30 Ks of controlling. This is, I I thought this was a really good stage. Now, of course, we don't watch the first three hours, but (laughs) I thought the last hour of this and the design was really, really good and something that, what's the last stage race we covered? I can't remember. Maybe Romandy. No, we didn't really cover it. I I think it was really good design, particularly as we had a pure bunch sprint yesterday. Yes, certainly. And obviously, if you start watching at kilometer zero when it comes to the broadcast, it's kind of your own fault if you if you see two Coretek riders in the breakaway. We've got Konishev and Stoinich, which is uh, just two, two guys from Korotek. <laughs> Can't add much more than that to this breakaway, I'm afraid. But they were at the front for quite a while. They were caught roughly, uh, I think, at the start of like the climbing area. But they would be caught. Keep that in your head. We're going to go over to the area of the stage that actually matters. We're getting towards the first of these climbs, the Volico de Laghi. Di Monticchio, oh my god, my Italian is absolutely spotless. But Spotless? Is, is that, that not a word? Yeah, it's like flawless. Yes, but without spots. But you meant spot on. Yeah, it's both, it's both, <laughs> it's both. But anyway, we're getting to this climb, and we got to keep in mind that some teams will try to make it more difficult for pure sprinters, is what we mentioned yesterday. We have these pure sprinters like uh, Mark Cavendish, for example, yeah. and we've got these not-so-pure sprinters like... We named quite a few. Michael Matthews. Matthews. <laughs> Mess Peterson was yeah. the big one, to be honest. He was a big favorite for the stage, too. I would say he was a... This was more portrayed as a Mess Peterson yeah. stage than a Michael Matthews stage beforehand. Maybe three years ago, it would have been a, an all-out Michael Matthews stage, 100%. But... We did see three teams really pushing forward, getting into that climb. That's Trexi Gafredo for Peterson, Jayco Alula for Michael Matthews, and DSM. And DSM yeah. for Meyerhofer. Well, I mean, Trek and Jayco were expected. And I think this is like, when you see the breakaway that you get, because you'd be thinking, oh, why didn't Magnus Court go on the breakaway? He's got a better strike rate from the breakaway in the last two, three years in Grand Tours. Well, maybe in week three... But in week one, stage three, with Trek having worked yesterday and got nothing, you know that if you get in the break, you're going to get just chased down by two strong teams and probably three with Alberson helping. Yeah. So that's why you get this week break. And if you want to watch along, I'd really recommend watching the last 30, 40 Ks of this stage. Actually, a lot of interesting sort of everything you want from a punchy, climby, sprinty boy stage, you can watch on GCN+. Plus. 15% off an annual pass through the link down below in selected territories. You can watch the post-race coverage with Blythe and McEwen, 
analyzing the sprints of yesterday and today, but also highlight short form, long form, anything that you want at a very, very good price. So yeah, go and check it out. Thanks to GCN for sponsoring uh, Giro coverage on LRCP. And it's an essential companion, to be honest, to follow along. I was surprised, Benji, at how hard they made the climb. And I think yeah. that was because Jayco... I've been really critical of Jayco in the last two, three years when it's saying you're chasing a lot for, you know, to get nothing. And today they made the tempo because Matthews is in the big bunch sprints. He's not been that good. Like yeah. I'm talking the pure bunch sprints, but his climbing is unbelievably good. He literally got dropped by Betty on, came back on mold last year to win the stage in the Tour de France. Oh. And they made this climb with Filippo Zana after Gabregs, Gabir and Tesfati on pace. They made this climb so hard. People were dropping, first of all, court drops, yep. which maybe that's a court issue. But I didn't expect Ghana to drop on the first climb today, at least maybe lose a bit over the top, but he got properly dropped. Is Filippo Ghana the AliExpress version of Filippo Zana? That's the real question yeah. we should be asking. In the past, it was the other way around, but today he showed Zana that he's the better one on these kind of climbs because he was going really hard. Tesfacion was also working well for... Uh, Trek Segafredo in the earlier parts of this climb while the, the, the downhaulers of the world were dropping initially. But this was doing damage. And the first rider that was in trouble was not necessarily a rider I would expect to be in trouble so early because Magnus Court Nielsen was at the back in trouble before I saw Cavendish dropping, before I saw Gaviria dropping. And I was kind of shocked by that. Yeah, I was. And also he wasn't just trying to tactically get in the, like, lose time for tomorrow to get in the breakaway because... He kept fighting with the group, chasing really hard. So maybe he entered in bad position. Maybe he had a mechanical that we didn't see. Yeah. But yeah, these are the sprinters that are gone. Gaviria, Cavendish, Court. I've run out of sprinters. Milan, who obviously <laughs> won yesterday. And then sort of the Arna Maritz, the Bonifacios of this world. In the group still, Groves easily. Groves climbing better than Pedersen. Conspicuous in his absence. But you know the... like. Alperson are here for Groves at these, yep. in these sort of stages, right? So if you see three Alperson in the group and they haven't dropped back, that means Groves is in the front group. And he was there. And it was just an incredible pace from Zana to rip it apart like that, that virtually, yeah, like it was in a line. And then we got to the first, into, first KOM point on the Cat 3. Thibaut Pino goes for the KOM points. So he's... Got mixed goals here, and I think that means top 10 GC stage and KOM jersey. I think he should probably win the KOM jersey. Uh, uh, he should be the favorite, clear favorite for it after him yeah. showing his intention. But Trivo went for those sprint points and then wanted to continue on, and then Pino didn't relay, and then Trivo didn't go for the next sprint point. So I don't know if he just wanted to use that as an excuse to, to attack. I don't really understand that bit. The reason that Pinot's eligible for these KOM points is because the KOM points in this Giro compared to other Giros and the Tour de France, for example, is much more linear throughout the race. So gaining these points early in week one is actually valuable throughout the race itself. And next to that, you got to keep in mind that the Giro doesn't really do the thing where you have like twice the points on the last climb in the same way that oh, true. Uh, the Porte uh, Pogacar points happened against Wout Pools a few years ago in the they Tour de France. They removed that last tour, right? Because they yeah. realized it was terrible. <laughs> they realized <laughs> it was terrible. And Wout Pools got robbed. Yeah. But, uh, well, anyway, he robbed himself too, doing a, a solo Tour de France, riding 10 meters in front of the breakaway. <laughs> Valico da Croce, next climb. This is the, the 3 kilometer 6% climb, to be fair. 
The last climb felt much longer than 6K. I didn't see a descent. I didn't, <laughs> I honestly, to me, it looked like 25 minutes straight of climbing. I did, I don't know if the descent ever happened. It's possible that it didn't. It's possible that it did. Anyway, Schrodinger's descent. We've got on this climb, Campbell Stewart pacing now Incredible in front job. of Dunbar. Matthew's a bit further in the group. Campbell Stewart being there is actually a bit of a, like, he's a bit of an unknown to many people in cycling still because he hasn't had that breakout performance yet, but he's a really solid domestique look at, isn't he? I think it was Scottson. Was it? Okay, then I'm talking about the wrong dude. Well, Stewart's, Stewart's the leader. No, I, I'm probably wrong too. I think, I don't know. I think Stewart's the lead. I think Campbell Stewart's the lead out man. And, Callum Scottson is. It was the, Simon Yates. That's the conclusion. It, whoever it was, we need some sunglasses. Okay, Eddie Dunbar. He's the GC leader. He gets the white sunglasses. I believe it was Callum Scottson. If it was him, can you please change your sunglasses to something else? Because it looked yeah. like two guys similar at the front. He did an incredible job keeping both. Because Pedersen actually got dropped on the last little climb, not by ten seconds, mm -hmm. by like twenty-five seconds, twenty seconds, and yeah, because. My theory of why I thought an attacker could win this stage was, okay, you dropped him on the climb, but who's going to continue over the top? Who's going to pace in the valley afterwards? Because, you know, it's 30 k's to the finish. I think fortunately for Jayco and Pedersen to keep Gaviria and Cavendish and co behind, there was so much stress in the GC teams going over that last little climb. Like Ineos wanted to be first wheel, Remco, you know, with Quickstep, want to be first wheel. Yes. Koos has had an issue, though, so Rolich doesn't have Koos, and GC Koos, unfortunately, took a little bit of a battering today, but he will be back in the third week. Don't you worry, GC Koos lives. But, 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 we got to talk about... Oh, yeah, he nearly we, we, severed his hand. <laughs> we got to talk about GC, because, like, I didn't really believe in keeping GC Koos up there in GC as a benefit, tactically, <laughs> for Roglic versus Quickstep, for example, so... The fact that he was fighting to get his bike fixed while he was on the bike, like he was having his hand on his rear derailleur while descending, trying to push the reset button of the rear derailleur, yeah. and I he, think. And he popped the battery off and then you got no battery. <laughs> so uh, that didn't work. And um, yeah, because he was losing a, a minute or something, I think, on the stage eventually. But because aside, we are getting into this ascent. You said it, Peterson, 25 seconds on top of yeah. that, of that, uh, that pace and quick step is the one quick step is the one that um is kind of trying to control the descent and Remco's in the in the microphone he's like yo yo guys keep it slow i yeah, want to survive yeah. this descent well the whole quick step did it on the hoods and they're like they're clearly they were losing wheels through the corner van wilder got dropped i think on the descent unless he had a problem he got dropped and who else? Almeida had, was caught up in a crash at the back on the descent, but we knew with Pedersen having three teammates around him, including Gabregs Gabir, he's going to make 25 seconds back because the yeah. GC teams have no incentive on a wet, rainy descent, Italian rows, whatever. They do not want to crash out. They're going super slowly. So that also, Rolic moved up. Hessman was there in Cone Bowman. He didn't have Sepp Kuss. Catania, Vavaka were the two who were really the main domestiques for Remco. Seri was involved in a crash, but he looked in pain, but standing up, don't know what the re result of that was. Going into the finish, Groves, Matthews, Pedersen comes back. But who's going to control? That's the thing. And there's also this intermediate sprint. So maybe this was my misreading of it. From about 20Ks to 10Ks, mm -hmm. the controlling was done for the sprinting climbing sprinty boy teams by the gc teams 
Because Koos, oh no, not Koos, well, GC Koos, but Roglic and Remco wanted to be in first five wheels, wanted to go for this intermediate sprint, and so no one was coming back despite Arkea setting up a three-man train for Warren Bargui. I thought Decker was there, and no, they were just pacing the court in the wheel a minute behind. <laughs> um, but the sprint, the intermediate sprint, Remco said he would never go for them again um, after the Giro 2021. Or, it was a lie. It was a lie. He, 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 did, he did it in races since then. Yeah. So he's been doing it all out, and he, I think he's also noticed that he has the sprint now to be able to compete for these. So he's kind of on relatively equal level with Roglic. I, I would still have gotten and said Roglic for this intermediate sprint looking at the lead out he had Balmon is on paper good lead out while Cataneo I was like meh about it but yeah. we go into the intermediate sprint and Cataneo was lining up with Remco and I feel like Balmon's trying to pass him and Roglic what is your view on the situation I I'm not sure Roglic five second peak power is that much better than Remco's okay I really I really am not sure it is his 30 second punch I think is better on a pure sprint up like on a seven percent 30 seconds but five seconds i'm not sure and the lead out because it was a high speed lead out because they were kind of on a false slight downhill and basically bowman starts the lead out roglic was looking left and wanting to follow remco and not trusting his lead out at all he doesn't really follow bowman properly remco moves across and just claims bowman's wheel with no contest yep. from roglic and then Remco just basically wins the sprint without Roglic even, like, really... I mean, he was in the draft, maybe... I don't know, maybe he was conserving energy for later. It was very, very strange from Roglic to set up the train like that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Like, three seconds for Remco, two seconds for Roglic, one second for Barman. It was just very odd. Um, it didn't is. follow Barman. But in reality, let's be honest about it, these intermediate sprints aren't going to decide this race... This is not going to be a Giro decided by seconds, but I think it is valuable for the mental state of riders that they feel like they have one up on the other rider. That might do it a little bit. I mean, Remco already had that after winning the Catalonia final stage in a sprint in dominant fashion against Roglic. <laughs> Contested, obviously. So, anyway, coming into the finish, the sprinters team start to take over control. We have a few pickups, and we see Alperson. I see them with four riders, which includes Groves, and I'm like, Surely they're going to take prompt position because we have a sweeping right-hand corner with 450 to go to about 200 where you're freewheeling and whoever's front position at 450 is going to basically be able to do the final lead up. And the final little sprint, the final pickup in the first, like 300 meters was actually hard. It only leveled yep. off in the last 200. We see, we get to the 3Ks to go. Thank God, I don't think there were any issues for anybody major on GC before from in the run-in. Even though it was wet, Almeida was brought back by McNulty, who then pulled up stumps. Look for him in the break tomorrow. We see Roglic, and this is really curious to me. He is... Okay, I would say he's a better descender than Remco, based on and Van Wilder. Mm -hmm. Van Wilder looked really bad, unless he had some sort of issue. He got literally dropped on the descent. Remco is losing the wheel all the time on the descent. But we know that Roglic... He crashed out of the Tour 2021 fighting for position in a, in a final, in a hectic... It was a sprint stage, Yeah. He, which Merlier won. He crashed with Wright sprinting in a group of five in the world to last year. And he's mixing it up in the last 3K. So the three-kilometer rule's gone. You can... Someone thank, helpfully put it down below in the comments yesterday. With the three-second rule in sprint stages, you can be 50 meters, 50 behind the final rider and be given the same time with no other riders in front of you and so there is no need to fight for first 10 wheels in this sprint 
and it was evident he wasn't doing it for safety. He was trying to win this stage from Oz Roglic. Um, and the big risk is, like, there's other guys who are bigger. Who don't, they don't care that you're going for GC. It's Stefano Aldani, Albanese, or Gross. They're like, who get out? Like, they've they got their elbows out, and they're more used to it. Then, and, and that's the thing, like, he... If he gets bumped and goes down sprinting for fifth, it's like people would have said, why was he contesting the sprint in this stage? And then the converse is, well, he won the sprint in Catalonia stage one if he takes four bonus seconds or wins this stage and it's a harder finish than the GPX file. So, yes, everyone says, well, genius, he took ten, takes 10 seconds. I would lean towards with Pedersen and Matthews there, it's really unlikely he's going to take seconds. So I thought that was yeah. a, a, a pretty big risk. And also you saw, you know, in the mix-up, it's hectic and... Only one person needs to hit you the wrong way and you go down. And also next to that, if you do enter the, the, the final sprint in like 10th position, just give up. There's no point in continuing sprinting. And he did that and basically continued sprinting until 7th position. Spoilers. But anyway, let's focus on the, the real kings of the, the final sprint here. The ones that could make the victory happen, which is Mas Pedersen is still there. Albanese is still there. Yes, I'm mentioning him. Don't question me. Matches is still there. And Groves is still there, who... Climbed very well, like you said. We, so well. we saw it at Catalonia last year. He was climbing so well in those stages. So I was looking forward to see them compete, but the lead-out was led by Trek Segafredo in these windy corners. And we saw the lead-out being Molema, who was a really strong ride. But who was the second Schoins. one behind? Was it Squins? I'm pretty sure it was Squins. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, he, and that's why they had numbers, because they had sort of a versatile squad who can get over those climbs like Molema, like Squins, like Cabregs could be who can bring Pedersen back. And then Schoens actually did a decent lead out, I thought. But Matthews jumped him. Matthews yep. jumped Pedersen. He did the Pedersen to Pedersen. He <laughs> jumped him early because I think he wanted to take advantage. He didn't want the sprint to start on the flat last 100. And Trek had entered in really good position. Matthews sprints. Pedersen and Oldani get into the wheel of Matthews and start to share it. And I'm thinking Pedersen's going to come out of this wheel any moment now. Any moment now, he's going to come out of the wheel. He doesn't. Matthews makes... He started sprinting at like 300 to go with an uphill finish. Beats Pedersen, who was in the draft for part of the, the sprint. A really, really impressive win for Matthews. Further back down, Oldani, instead of doing a lead-out... I mean, you can call that a lead-out. I wouldn't call what he did a lead-out. Basically sprinted in the draft of... Matthews with Grove blocking Groves to the barriers, his teammate, yeah. and then blew up and lost the wheel. And then Groves had to get back to the wheel of Matthews and then finished in third. So if Aldani had properly launched Groves out of that corner at 350, this could have been different, but it wasn't. I think they, yeah, Aldani just went for his own sprint, which is kind of curious to me. But yeah, Matthews, these are now Michael Matthews stages again until further <laughs> notice. I mean, Credit to Jayco, they destroyed that the, the whole climb. They controlled the, the whole rest of the stage when the GC teams weren't controlling. Matthews, they put him onto Pedersen's wheel and he jumped him on the stage. This was like textbook and like credit to them and Matthews for, yeah, for winning the Giro stage. Like it's a big win for them and they've not had the best year points wise, but if he keeps being consistent, you'll forget quickly about those points and also... They're a team that's about the big wins and with coverage back on free-to-air in Australia, they would have been very, very happy with Bling taking this oh. wing out. But with this win out, I, but I still, Benji, like, I'm still surprised how much he cooked Pedersen. Yeah, exactly. He took the race by the horns. His team took the race, the race by the horns and they delivered at the end, which I didn't expect. I didn't expect Matthews to beat 
Peterson in that final straight, but to see him do it is good for the race, I think, because that adds a that adds something a bit more for Chiclamino, maybe. Who knows? Oh yeah, definitely for Chiclamino. Because what if what if Pedersen can't make it through? And that's how Bling won when Sagan got DQ'd in the Tour de yeah. France. He won green. But you got to... Wow. No, Pedersen will make it through. I mean, who knows? What could happen? <laughs> no, someone could crash. Someone could get sick. Someone could get a positive COVID test. Someone could get DSQ'd for whatever because Sagan shouldn't have been DSQ'd. So I think there is merit in fighting for second and he's going to be a clear second, I would think. Although Groves... I think Groves will be thinking he could have done better today, and I'm, I tend to agree. But Matthews wins ahead of Pedersen Groves. Albanese, Benji's favorite for Yola Cometa. That's actually a decent amount of points for them. Yep. Fourth, Aldani, fifth. Bistrom, sixth. Roglic, seventh. Velasco, eighth. Schoins, ninth. And Vendrame for Ashdazer, Citroën, tenth. So truly a, quite a reduced sprint. You needed to be very, very fit to make this finish. Can I just talk about Bistrom for a second? That name just... Oh, every time he's in the results page, I need to talk about How'd him. How'd you forget Cadell's? Santos threw down under. He was so strong in that race. Yeah. Seventh in GC, fifth on Mont Lofty stage. Then we've got a fifth on the Campbelltown finish. And then we see Cat Levin's Great Ocean Road race as 24th. But he, he was really strong there. He was strong there with Schmidt in the attack, like you mentioned over the one of the last few climbs. Got, and he's like top 50 rider in couple races. And when it comes to versatile hill races as well. So he's a really versatile domestique. And like 31st in Ronde van Vlaanderen, that's a good domestique for the Ronde van Vlaanderen. And I like it. I like this guy. I don't know why. I've seen him once. I saw him riding once when he was riding for Katusha, I think, in the, in the streets of Kortrijk in Belgium. Little anecdote for you there. I think they were staying there for Edri Harlbeke that week. But anyway, I don't know why, but Sven-Erik Bistrim, absolute bloody legend. And um, for the rest, I would say, looking at this race, were you surprised Peterson dropped when Groves didn't? No, Groves climbing is unbelievably good. Like, if you look at those Polonia stages, you look at how he climbed in Limburg this year. His climbing in Limburg was, he just ruined, I can't remember what team it was, Lotto Destiny, maybe with whoever it was. He was dropping them on climbs, maybe Enkhorn. Um, Groves, in hindsight, did Alperson mess up not pacing the last three Ks harder or taking control to keep Pedersen behind? Now, I probably because we didn't see Groves much until like the last 10Ks, probably Groves himself was fully on the limit to even yep. stay in the group. And, you know, maybe Aldani was too, but could they have done more to keep Pedersen's group behind in, in hindsight? I think Pedersen's coming back anyway. But it's something to think about for them in future stages with their sort of mixed squad. Okay, we, we don't need to worry about Groves being dropped. Like Pedersen, in fact, is the opposite. Uh, in terms of... GC, everyone finished on the same time. Oh, well, note, I think... Did we skip Almeida? Yeah, no, I mentioned Almeida had... Okay. Uh, he got caught up in a crash, McNulty brought him back, and then McNulty sat up. So Nuggets. Yeah, I think... Yeah, other learnings from this stage is Quickstep are very nervous with Ramcon on the descents. But, and? That, but it, it's nervous, but it's also like, what, Ineos did? Like, yeah, yeah, it's safer. Like, if I was them, yeah. I would, if I have the team, get me to the front, I'm going to be first three wheels instead of Almeida getting caught up in crashes. So... Yeah, it's nervous, but there is a very rational reasons why you would be nervous on a wet descent in a stage like this. And I'd rather, I'd rather see them be nervous in the way they are doing than seeing Roglic try and move up in every single situation where he shouldn't be moving up to try and desperately take bonus seconds at the end or yesterday to try and desperately stay in a right position while Ademko was freely wheeling at the back of the group. I feel like I get stressed more when I see Roglic doing that stuff than I do see Ademko doing what he's doing. 
because that's ahead of people while Roglic is doing that behind people and that can cause crashes or am I on the wrong side here? Oh, yeah, he's like laying off his teammate's wheel and then they know to not really accelerate too hard out of the corner so they don't put him on a big gap. So, yeah, it's not a huge not a huge deal. At least it wasn't today. I would say Ghana dropping so much was surprising to me, actually. Uh, he lost any chance of Chiclamino. Well, yeah, I mean, Remco's in Chiclamino. So, and that, that's a good segue into tomorrow's stage, actually, with now Remco having a 44-second lead ahead of pretty much only GC contenders and Kung. Venosa stage four to Lago Loseno. This is the first real test we'll see of the GC yes. guys uphill, apart from obviously the time trial. This is a hard stage, 176Ks. It opens with three medium mountain climbs of 3K, 6%, 4K, 5%, 6K, 4.5%, all back-to-back. Then there's a the Paso de la Crocelle, which is 7.2K, 5%. A descent and then they do another climb of 8.8k 5% then a valley that's pretty long it's a 40k valley before the uh Colle Moella to Lago Loseno I'm not doing any Catalan accent anymore <laughs> 4.3k's at 9% 9.7k 6% before a little descent and a plateau of 3 kilometers so FYI the 3 kilometer rule applies tomorrow so if you are just getting dropped at the end of this climb, just You're punct puncture you. No, just puncture your tires because you get the same time as the group. That is sorry, but that is so stupid. By the way, <laughs> like, doesn't if you say at the end of the climb, you got to make sure you have the puncture after the top, then because well, the flat no. section 3k, right? No, no, it's wherever the 3k banner. So if the 3k banner they hit that on the climb. You're good from that onwards to just self-puncture even if you're about to drop. Because the profile I'm looking at has the top at exactly 3k to go. Yeah, so but it's interesting if it... <laughs> anyway, it's crazy that there is that rule for this stage. After a 4.2k 9% climb, that's a hard climb. And I don't... There's been a lot of discussion, Benji, about will the breakaway take this? This seems to me the first realistic chance that the break can win uh, in this... Yes. In this Giro d'Italia, especially because of that long valley for one hour after the second major climb of the day. But then, I don't know, it's a hard climb. And Remco went hard in Catalonia, but he's got a nice buffer here, which he didn't have in Catalonia. What do we think? What percentage chance are we giving the break tomorrow? The, the psychology going into the stage is whether Remco would also want to give the pink jersey towards a, a team in the breakaway. But I've been thinking about this for a few days, and I'm like, what will they gain from doing that on this specific stage that depends on what stages follow afterwards and if we look at stage five that's a sprint stage stage six that's a sprint stage stage seven is campo imperatore where they might not need to control in the first place that much so i don't care too much if remco gives the jersey away tomorrow he needs to give it away by stage seven and i think stage seven might be the better choice then because it doesn't really matter if he gives it away tomorrow in my opinion looking at that maybe you have a different opinion on that i'll get to you in a second but uh, I will, however, say I do think the break is having a solid chance of winning. I do think Remco will try and attack knowing that he's had the moral uptick compared to Roglic so far and might be like, let's try and hit him while he's a bit on the floor, you know? Yeah. He's, he's won everything so far. The sprint, the TT, the battle for position. But Roglic should be in his wheel anyway. I mean, if Roglic gets dropped on this climb tomorrow, <laughs> then like really there are problems. Mate because too short for Almeida. I know that's the problem for this. No, this, 
all jokes aside, isn't this the sort of stage where Almeida just like shells the minute? <laughs> this is exactly the stage where he forgot to eat yeah, in, in 20, Giro. 21? Yeah. These, these are sort of stages where he's like, ah, it's not so hard. It's not, it's a break up the road, but they probably do like 3,500 altimeters on this stage. Now, but, now, but we forget that Joao Almeida is the GOAT, the best cyclist that has ever lived, and he will get to the top and he'll destroy everybody in the final sprint. I mean, you're not wrong. We, I did pick him to win this race overall, so I hope he doesn't lose a minute. Uh, but that's all immaterial. Brandon McNulty lost four minutes today. Uh, he's going to win this stage easily from the breakaway. <laughs> That's why I assume he lost that time and, and pulled up stumps after bringing Almeida back. If he's in this break, there is absolutely nothing anybody can do against him because the other sort of caliber of riders in this break that you might see would be, you know, a Gabregs, Gabir, uh, Tarame, Aliotti. Um, Tesfacion, maybe? Tesfacion mm. probably will try, like Trek will try and get two in. Um, Amirail. Dombrowski, who I think was caught up in a crash today. Verona also lost four minutes or so today. Uh, I don't know how much time Ulysses lost because if I was... He was in the, he was in the train in... that brought where McNuggets was bringing back Almeida. Okay, well in that case, I think McNulty is going to win this stage. I, he's, looked, he's looked average before, like in the Tour de France last year, and then he was the strongest and would have won the stage that um, Ugo Ull won, but he was on... Judy for Pogaccia. He would have won that stage easily from the breakaway. So, yeah, I think McNulty will win from the break. I think that's a solid name. Tarame also lost 5 minutes and 47 seconds, so he's also a name that I put high up True. there. Betio lost 6 minutes 57, so I would also rhyme him. The Marquis, 6 minutes 57. But I'm going to go, despite me saying Tarame for these kind of stage all the time, or the Marquis, I would go for... Uh, oh, God, I just forgot which rider I was going for. Did something happen with Bob Jungles recently? Because he lost nine minutes today, and I feel like that seems like a rider that I'd drop in there. Yeah. I mean, if he... Yeah, maybe he got dropped and then was like, well, why not lose another eight minutes? Okay, Bob Jungles <laughs> is a good good pick. Warren Bargui is on five minutes. He's also an option. Fiorelli for Bardiani. There's a lot of guys that should be trying to get in this breakaway. Velasco? Ben Healy. Will Ben Healy be allowed in the break? Isn't he a bit tight on GC? Like, really, there should yeah, be... But who will close and who will care about Ben Healy? They shouldn't. They shouldn't, really. But that's why Pink might not change hands tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It might not because McNulty's on four minutes and they might only win by two minutes. Um, but I really think the break will win. And you look at the start of this stage and how uphill it is, that really looks screams to me Healy, McNulty, and climbers like those, like Tesfacion. You mentioned Dombrowski for Astana, but I feel like these are the stages where they would send their entire team to try and get it. So... Would you say Velasco or Scaroni also have a chance to be in the breakaway? Or Battistella is probably a bit... No, I don't know. Battistella has done some decent climbing in the past, but... I would go Scaroni. But he crashed, I think. I think he's quite good. Dombrowski too, so everybody's crashed at Astana. Yeah. I and Moscon's washed. No, yeah, Moscon's not winning this stage. I think, I mean, 4K is 9%. percent you got to have, like... You've got to be able to climb well, and it's not so long after that. So, yeah. I think it'll be a decent climb of the wins tomorrow. In terms of GC, what do you think? What size GC group do we have? What size GC group? Three guys. Fuck it, three guys. We're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Remco Evenepoel. We're gonna have Jay Vine. Yep. Almeida Almeida's the missing piece. And Roglic and Almeida's <laughs> gonna follow in the back mirror. Yeah. Ten meters behind on the climb. And Portuguese Twitter's gonna go so mad at Vine. Oh, the heart rate is going to be whoa. They're going to oh, drop back from Maida. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to do it 100%. <laughs> how, how much do you want to bet? 
that's going to be all the tweets. And it's like, you know, Jay's going for his own GC. <laughs> like, and also it's better that they both stay in their own GC for the rest of this race. Maybe our man should just hold, nah. the wheel, hold the wheel on the climb. Our man wins the stage. Okay, I don't know how that's happening. Because <laughs> I don't think UAE will pace all day. And especially if McNulty's up the road, that would be glorious. Anyway, that was our preview of stage four tomorrow. Uh, it should, we say it should be a good one. I think today's stage was actually outstanding. Uh, tomorrow yes. might be a bit of domination in the breakaway the way I see it, but who knows? Hope you enjoyed the podcast as always, and we'll be back with our coverage tomorrow. Till then, ciao. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.